Couples Therapy in Seven Words. I am your co-host, Judy Alexander, and I'm here with my husband, Dr. Bruce Chalmer. Well, hello, Judy, and hello, listeners. Uh, And our topic for today is... How do I know if couples therapy is helping? How indeed. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about this. This is one of my favorite topics, I have to say, and Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. But before we do that, let's do a little uh, promotion of our podcast itself. We would like you to let other folks know about this podcast, and that would mean also subscribing and rating us, you know, with five-star ratings, we certainly appreciate, and all the kind of things that people do to let other folks know about a podcast. Right. Follow, share, those things. And our uh, podcast website is... ctin 7 Com. That's the number seven, CT for Couples Therapy, ctn7.com. And when you go to ctn7.com, first of all, you can get access to all of our wonderful episodes, of which this is number 83, so you've got quite a few to choose from. And you also have access to our wonderful merch. merch. We've got merch. Um, the uh, Couples Therapy in Seven Word Uh, mugs in the 15 ounce and 11 ounce sizes. Uh, On one side, it has the beautiful logo that was designed by my beautiful co-host. And it has the inspiring message, the seven words themselves on the other side. And the seven words are... Be kind, don't panic, and have faith. What an inspiring message if you're drinking your morning beverage and Mm -hmm. you can just be reminded of, you know, how you can approach life in a way that just feels good. And don't forget the t-shirts. And don't forget the t-shirts, yes, where it has the logo on on the front and the inspiring message on the back. And you can also purchase the book there. You certainly can, speaking of the book. And the title of the book is... Reigniting the Spark, Why Stable Relationships Lose Intimacy and How to Get It Back. And that's the book that started this whole podcast because we were... uh, Coming out, I I wrote a book and came out with it just in time for a pandemic. Yes. Uh, So here we are, um, and we've been having fun with this Mm -hmm. podcast ever since, and we hope you are too. So let's get into our topic. Right. How do I know if couples therapy is helping? Yes. How do you know that? How do you know that? And I want to back up a little bit, and I want to talk about the question itself. Okay. Because that happens to be pretty much... My opening question with folks. Aha. Uh-huh. And that's a, um, it's funny, I'm, I am, I've mentioned this before to folks, I am working on another book. And part of what I'm writing about in that other book is, how do I do this? You know, I'm sort of inviting people under the hood. You know, mm-hmm. what am I thinking about when I do all the things I do and they ask the particular questions I ask? And this particular question, how do you know if this is helping? Good question. Yeah. And I think it's the central question to be aware of if you are somebody who is in couples therapy. It's certainly important for the therapist as well. Sure. How do we know if this is helping, you know? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's not a simple question. Hmm. Uh, you know, you could say, like, if, if you, when you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. uh, I, I always like to trot out my gallbladder experience. You know? <laughs> Everybody wants to hear about my gallbladder experience. Yes, Can do. I show you the scar? Oh, good thing. We're, good thing we're not on video, right? Or I, <laughs> actually, it's not much scar. It was, it was laparoscopic. Oh, yeah. yeah so, there's very yeah. little scar. Anyway, no, the point being when, you know, when I, I had a problem that was obviously causing me great distress, I was mm-hmm. having these attacks that they couldn't figure out what it was. They ruled out heart attack. And, you know, this is a, a while ago. I was in my late 40s. And 
I went to the you know, finally. I think it was a um, it was a physician assistant who finally figured out. You know, kind of put two and two together and said, okay. "Aha! We need to do an ultrasound to see if you've got gallstones." And lo and behold, they did. And lo and behold. A skilled surgeon went in there and took out those suckers, and I was, I've was i been better ever since. Oh, good. And we're talking, you know, 25, yeah. 30 years, whatever it is. So it's that um, when you go to somebody where you know what the problem is and the idea is diagnose the problem, and when it's fixed, it's fixed, and I give five stars to the medical professionals who cured my gallbladder problems. But I would bet that therapy is not that simple. Funny you should mention, yeah. <laughs> It isn't, you know, and, it, and it's interesting because if you think about individual therapy, mm-hmm. and there are folks who work on this, right? I mean, insurance companies are always worried about this. And, you know, I could get all cynical about that, but I don't have to. I mean, they, they have reason to want to say, hey, if we're paying for this, we want it to be effective. So sure. how do we know if it's effective? And anybody who's in therapy wants to have a sense that it's effective. Well, you know, if I'm an individual and I go to individual therapy, I want to feel better, whatever feel better means to me. And I can sort of evaluate that. And the therapist I'm working with, one hopes, is really open to evaluating that as well. Mm-hmm. You work together on that. And if it's working great and if it isn't, isn't you try something else. Couples therapy is rather more complex because there's not just one person deciding is it helping or not. Mm-hmm. There, the, There's the couple and there's a the therapist. There's three people involved in that. Right. Obviously, the couple's evaluation is the one that counts. And they may not agree on that. Mm -hmm. So that gets complex. And then there's the whole issue of, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes if what's going on in the session actually ends up resulting in things getting better. It is, it's really difficult to know. Because sometimes I've had this experience, as funny as I'm thinking about it, this can happen in individual therapy too, where we have a session and it's clearly really painful or difficult or uncomfortable or you know one or both parties get angry or hurt or whatever they get and yet sometimes that experience turns out to be a turning point in a positive direction not always sometimes it just means oh they they realize they're working with the wrong therapist you know mm-hmm. but sometimes it means oh that's a turning point and you can't always tell while it's going on. So that just makes it very complex to figure out how do I know if it's helping? And yet, going back to what I started with, it, it's, a, it's a crucial question. You know, and if you think about it, at the end of any session, you have to, if you're the couple in therapy, at the end of any session, what are you gonna decide? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, think about that. What, what decision do you make at the end of any given session? A simple decision. Are we coming back? Are we coming back? Yeah, it's that simple. You know, the, the happiest occasions are when people say, you know what, we're, we've, we're feeling so much better. We don't need to come back. We'll let you know if we do. Well, that's mm-hmm. delightful. That mm-hmm. does happen. You know? Yeah. But if they're clearly not done, they have to decide, well, shall we come back? And the only reason to come back would be if they think maybe it'll help, mm-hmm. you know, or it right. seems to be helping or maybe there's some hope it'll help. And that's a decision a couple has to make every single time. And I will say, this is one of my shticks. You know, I got shticks. You got like, shticks. Like, like a bad Borscht Belt comic. You know, <laughs> I got shticks. And one of my shticks is I do not routinely ask people, when would you like to come back? Mm-hmm. I routinely ask people, would you like to come back? Uh-huh. And if they say yes, then I say, well, about how long from now do you think? I don't assume So you don't those. have like every weekly thing set up with the, all your, so it's like Monday at 10 is, you know, Don and Juanita's time and like you've got them going for the rest of the year. That's not how you work. That is not how I work. Uh-huh. And I, I say this with 
great respect for people who do work that way. It is a scheduling, I, I won't call it a nightmare because I do, I've been doing it for years. It's, it is, it renders my scheduling way more complex. Uh-huh. Not only do I not assign weekly sessions, you know, fixed time slots. And the reason I don't do that is because I don't assume everybody wants to come or should come weekly mm-hmm. or any, any particular interval. Moreover, I have variable length sessions that I have to know in advance when I set up the session, but I have to leave room in my schedule for longer or shorter sessions. So my schedule is always kind of mixed up anyway. Uh, occasionally, I will schedule a few week, you know, weekly or fixed yeah. time slots for folks, but and usually not. Is that not. typical, or I don't know? You mean of other people? Of other therapists? Um, I, you know, without doing research on that, I don't know how typical. I do know lots of folks who do not do it that way. Uh-huh. Certainly, individual therapists tend to assign weekly slots. Right, because you know, friends of mine will say, "Well, I've, you know, I've got my weekly therapy at you know, Wednesday at eleven type yeah, of thing." Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I'm, and I totally respect that. Again, mm-hmm. just if for no other reason than logistically, it's it's far less complex that way. But uh, I don't do it that way because I want to make it clear to people. That's why my opening question is, "How do you know if this is? How will you know if this is helping?" That's uh-huh. what I ask people. I want to focus right on right from the get go. It is it is your not only. Um, right to make that determination. It is your duty to make that determination. You folks have, you know, couple have to figure out, do you feel like this is helping? And I'm going to help you with that. You know, I'm happy to bat that around with you, but none of us can know absolutely for sure. And yet it's a crucial question. Mm -hmm. So right from the get go, that's what we worry about. Now, I want to mention, I mentioned already, you know, when I go to the doctor, I, what I want from my doctor, the doctor is a subject matter expert. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I go to the doctor because the doctor is the expert on gallbladders, you right. know, or, or you're having this kind of pain, let's figure out what it is, you know? And so what I want from my doctor is advice. Right. And when I go to a physical therapist, mm-hmm. they'll say, hey, do these exercises and that will help your shoulder feel better. Right. You know, that's expert advice. That is what I'm seeking. When you go to a therapist, and this is where I think, uh, again, this is a shtick (laughs) for me. It's a thing, you know. There are lots of therapists who feel like what they are offering is expertise on how to be a couple. Mm -hmm. And, okay, if you want that, great. I tend to be highly skeptical of people offering expertise on how to be a couple because if I start claiming I know better than the couple themselves how they should live their lives, I think, first of all, I think it's arrogant, with all due respect to folks who <laughs> operate otherwise. And I think the, it's not only arrogant, it tends to be inaccurate. And bad things can happen. I hear the horror stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe horror stories is too strong a word. I hear the, the pain stories sure. of people who've been to folks who gave them advice. Well, this is what you ought to do. And it not only didn't help, it made things worse. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. not, not everything fits for every couple either. So if you're a therapist and you're saying, well, this is what you need to do, and you're telling that to every couple, you know, you're, I'm sure you're going to come across somewhere, you know, that works, but you're going to come across many where it says that doesn't work for us. Yeah, one size does not fit all. Mm-hmm. So I don't claim to offer expertise in how to be a couple. Mm-hmm. That is simply not what I offer. I don't, But I'm not shying away from expertise. I do offer expertise in how to have conversations that will facilitate your figuring that out yourself. And that's not a small thing. Mm. That turns out to involve a whole lot of thought and planning and, and expertise, you know, that I've developed over the years. Mm-hmm. And training and all that stuff, you know, that, sure. that's 
you know, that's, I'm, that's not trivial. That's important stuff. But I do not offer advice particularly. Even you know, I don't people say people ask for it. People do ask for it, and, and I will tend. Them? What I tend to say is, look, I can give you ideas. Uh-huh. Uh, I I don't know if they're going to work for you or not. Yeah. You'll you try them on for size and see what you think. So I'm happy to offer ideas. You know, it's funny. Early on in my practice, I would get. This is when I was doing both a lot of individual and also couples therapy. And I would get a, back in the day of phone calls. Remember phone calls? I remember. Yeah, remember I just things? had one this morning. Well, a, a phone call. <laughs> they, they actually do happen, yeah. So they, people would, you know, this is before anybody would set up a yes. session via email. So people would call me on the phone. And I would get these calls where people would say, do you talk? Uh, and I would say, Huh? <laughs> We're talking on the phone. <laughs> I, clearly, I talk, you know. And I figured out it took me a few of those calls to figure out what they meant. Can you guess? Or you, maybe I've well, said this to you. Well, are you one of those uh, therapists where they they lie on the couch, do all the talking, and you every now and then go, uh huh? Yeah, <laughs> or that's tell exactly. me about that dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that is precisely what they were asking. Yeah, do you actually say stuff, or yeah. do you just sit there and say, uh huh? Uh-huh. And I assured them, <laughs> as you can kind of tell from my blebbermouth ways, I, I am not a sit there and just say, uh huh, uh-huh. sort of person. I am happy to offer ideas, different spins. You know, have you considered? You know, this. I mean, interesting ideas. But I am at pains to only do so in a collaborative fashion, not in a prescriptive fashion. Yeah. So I'm not offering advice, I'm offering ideas. And I think that is not just semantics. Mm-hmm. That is a whole different attitude toward the work. And you know, it's funny when folks, when the, when Judy and I are watching something on TV where it's showing a therapist, you know, <laughs> oh my God. It, and I, yet another way I so appreciate my, my wife and co-host here, who is so... Um, what's what's the word you show such forbearance in dealing with me because i ruin everything you know <laughs> i'm sitting there saying i wouldn't say that or you know that that's what i do but a lot of times the stuff i wouldn't say we just right. saw one last night i think yes we a, did a therapist saying this is what you you should do to a couple you yeah. know and i'm groaning and i'm thinking oh my god you know don't tell them what to do you know <laughs> anyway that's that is um i think highly relevant to the whole issue of you know how do you know if it's helping I, that's up to the couple to figure out. And in everything I do, I want to make it clear that they have that right and they have that duty. They sure. have that responsibility. So, you know, what I'm offering is not so much advice. I'm offering facilitation. Mm-hmm. That's really what that's mm-hmm. all about. Um, should we get into our listener letter? Because we yeah, have a yeah. listener letter that's right on point here. Yes, we do. So we have a letter from Shelby and she writes, Dear Bruce and Judy, My husband, Drew, and I have been having trouble in our marriage for a long time. We've been married for 10 years and have two children ages 7 and 4. We've been going to couples therapy on and off pretty much since we got married. So that's almost 10 years, right? Yep. We went through a lot of therapists over the years, mostly because one of us has not liked the approach of the therapists. We went through the ones that say, how does that make you feel? Now, Drew, tell Shelby how you feel. Then there were the ones who made us do exercises, like writing down something the other one did that made us feel good, and read it to each other at the end of the day. I felt we were given things to do rather than being listened to as a couple. I think we finally found someone who has a different approach and is listening to us and not handing us a formula for improvement. My question is, how will we know if this is working? 
Thank you. Well, what an interesting question from Shelby. I guess pretty obviously there, well, I, the names are changed anyway, but apparently this is not a couple who's seeing me or they wouldn't be asking me that question now. That's right, because <laughs> they would, would they? know that question from the first session. <laughs> they would, and yeah, I mean, they would just ask me. No, it, it's really interesting. Yeah, you know, that, that um, it's almost a caricature, you know. How does that make you feel? Now, Drew, tell Shelby how you feel. Well, we saw that also on we, a TV we show We do, the and other night. I have to say that <laughs> I was, we were just talking about this yesterday when, when Judy and I were, were uh, taking a walk, and I mentioned I virtually never say to people, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Not because, and look, let me, as usual, let me put in a word for these ideas that we're caricaturing, you know? It's not like that's a terrible thought. Mm-hmm. The reason I don't ask people, how does that make you feel, is that the implication of that question is there is such a thing as how something makes you feel. Now, I, I will note there is a classic objection to this that I hear, and it's not the one I'm talking about. But you, you know what the classic objection is that, well, how does that make you feel? And somebody will say, wait a minute. Do you know what the objection is? I do not. The objection is often nobody can make you feel anything. Ah. You know, oh, come on, baloney. <laughs> you know, that's not true. I, I mean, it's yeah. true and it's not true. You well, know what I mean? Yes, people can make you feel very small, very hurt, very exactly. pain, very shallow. And, you know, we can we <laughs> yeah. can split hairs and say, no, no, they can't make you feel that way. They can only invite you to feel that way. And you have to yeah, accept blah, you blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> no, somebody can be horrible and it can make you feel terrible. Yeah. So it's not that I'm saying, no, no, that's an empty concept. The part that I think is the reason I don't ask that question is it's not that the implication is somebody can make you do something because, yeah, they sort of can it's because the Im- implication is there's such a thing as how I feel and it's just one thing. Right. No, that's true. I hadn't thought and, of it that way. And it isn't just one thing. That's the whole point. How does that make you feel implies, well, this has that effect and now you feel this way and now you have to act on that. And that's really important to figure that out, what that is, and talk about that and then tell the other person how you feel. And I'm thinking, no, that is not how life works if you're actually alive, as opposed to sitting in a therapy session, analyzing yourself to death. Mm-hmm. So rather than my asking, how does that make you feel? I will be asking people to reflect on, gee, what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a different kind of question. You know, could you comment on that? That's a different question. It doesn't imply that there's only one feeling. What I'm assuming is, you know what, there's a bunch of mixed feelings flying around. And let's, you know, if you're not panicking about that, you can that can make your life richer to look at that. It's like, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, I'm mad at you, but I also love you, and I wish you wouldn't be that way, and I also understand why you're that way. Boy, isn't that interesting, you know? You can't do that when you're in the middle of a freakout. Right. But in a therapy session, a, a therapist can invite you into that place of being reflective. It's like, isn't that interesting? Wow, I see. Wow, that really sounds pissed off. And yet there's, you know, it sounds maybe there's some fear in there too. What do you think? You know, there's a bunch of things going on. And so that sort of question where you say, okay, now we're going to have you say this and you say that, it's deadly. It doesn't feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And again, I, I, the bit about you know exercises like writing down something the other one did that made us feel good. Uh-huh. The idea of being alert to gratitude mm-hmm. is a lovely idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking the idea. When you turn it into a thing, yeah. it becomes deadly. Yeah. Nobody wants to live that way. This is this is my bugaboo about the concept of active listening and I statements. We I, we may have t- touched on that in another podcast, but I'm happy to give my little rant about that too. Active listening is where 
Well, here's what I understood you to say, Judy, that it, it sounds like that <laughs> when I don't wipe off the sink, uh -huh. it causes, it, it, it bothers you and it, it causes, am I understanding that correctly? You know. <laughs> yeah. And then you say, yeah, you say, well, there's this, you know, you didn't quite get this part. It's okay, I think I understand what that part is. That's not how real people talk. No, it's not. But I'm just thinking that you know, if if you're pissed off at your partner all the time, and to take a moment to think about, um, you know, if he, let's say in this case, he does something nice for you, um, to make note of that mm -hmm. instead of always finding fault, then maybe that does change your mindset and thinking. Totally. That that's what I'm saying. That is a lovely thing to do. Mm -hmm. Don't turn it into a rule. Yeah. You know, because yeah, okay. then focus are people are focusing on the procedure or the mm -hmm. rule, and they're not focusing on the actual experience. So incorporate that experience into the general discussion. But you know, when people give these prescriptions, and again, you, you hear I'm giving you sort of a mixed. I have mixed feelings about it too. It's like it's not that they're bad ideas. Mm -hmm. I, I've talked about that that sort of gratitude journal sort of thing. I've talked about with folks a fair amount. You know, I, I have my my favorite story about that. I always remember when I would walk down the street. Uh, used to be I would go to this deli for lunch from the office where my office used to be, and I would walk down the street and there were cars that had to pull out across the sidewalk to see traffic coming. Mm -hmm. So so about a third of the time seems to me if I was walking down the street there would be a car blocking the way, and about half of those times, they would back up and mm -hmm. smile at me to indicate they saw me. And every time that happened, it lifted my heart. Mm. It's That was the right thing for them to do. That's what mm -hmm. they're supposed to do. But, you know, they didn't have to do it, and they did it. And they did it with a sense of, oh, let me do something courteous for the pedestrian. And I would show up at the deli, and I would be smiling, or I would have this sense, and I it would, it would spill over onto the person at the deli who already knew what I was going to order. You know, mm -hmm. it was just spreading good karma. Yeah. I love that, you know. And for me to notice that on a day that might have been otherwise stressful, mm -hmm. to be alert to those possibilities, lovely idea. And especially to be alert to lovely things your partner's doing, lovely idea. Lovely idea. Don't turn it into a thing because then it turns into a dreary ritual. Mm -hmm. And it's not that all rituals are bad either. It's just that if you make a big deal of the ritual, if that's what you're going to get out of couples therapy, you're missing the point. What you need to get out of a couples therapy is broadening your perspective, not narrowing it down to certain rituals that you're not going to keep implementing because nobody lives that way. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. the thing, you know. And, uh, yeah, sit there doing homework all day long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where did I put that journal? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, again, uh, the, even the concept of homework, it's not that it's a terrible idea, mm -hmm. but be careful not to turn it into a fetish because then it, you're missing the point. Right. So a lot of this, you know, and it's it's so interesting because they, apparently Shelby and Drew didn't like that, those sorts of approaches. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what she says here because she says, um, I think we finally found someone who has a different approach, is listening to us and not handing us a formula. Yeah. You know, and she wants to know how that is working. And I think that's exactly the point. What you need to know is that you're not just data being fit into somebody's algorithm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not, you're not just, uh, somebody's not just following a manual with you. They're actually going with you on your journey. Yeah. And that means the therapist has to be open to ideas they hadn't thought of going in. And that, you know, I think that's what 
yeah, of course, uh, our seven words, you know, what is it that you need from couples therapy? I mean, in one word, what you need from couples therapy is, you want to guess? Be kind. No, that's not oh, just two uh, words. Okay. Faith. Ha ha. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, because if you think about it, that's the key, right? Yes, that is the key. Because be kind, don't panic and have faith. Well, you have faith, which lets you not panic, mm -hmm. which lets you be kind, mm -hmm. which then actually strengthens your faith. And the faith I'm referring to, as I've so often said in this podcast, the faith I'm referring to isn't necessarily religious faith per se. It's the faith that this whole project of living is meaningful, you know, that, that reality is right to be what it is. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a mindset that I've just started <clears throat> using that term fairly recently when I was, you know, <laughs> bumping into some of the research on mindsets. Uh -huh. uh, faith is a mindset and it changes how you interpret things. It changes how you experience things. And if you have a mindset of faith with your partner, even if you see, uh oh, my partner's pissed off at me. Well, my partner's pissed off at me, but but our general mindset is, yeah, but we know we love each other and things are, you know, we're, we're a team here. So if she, she or he is pissed off at me, they must have good reason for it. First of all, whether or not I agree with what they're mad at me about, nevertheless, they, they're not crazy. It's coming from somewhere. I need to be open to that without panic. Sure. I may not like it because I may find out they're, say, they're saying something about me that I wish weren't, I wish they didn't think that, but I need to hear it. And that's what sets a couple up, that sense of that mindset that says, no, this is doable, even if it's painful. Um, that's what sets them up to be able to do the kind of things that, well, that John Gottman talks about really make for a couple working out well. You know, the, the person bringing up the complaint, whatever it is, brings it up with some sense of respect for the other person. Yeah. And the person hearing it clearly shows interest in hearing it, even if it's not terribly comfortable. Mm-hmm. And those put those two things together, and that's how couples therapy helps. Couples therapy sets up the circumstances so those kind of intimate conversations can happen. That's what it's all about. So how will they know if it's working? Well, that's it. That's that is it, a, that, that they right. have faith. And so, but beyond having faith. How? Yeah, exactly. How will they know if it's working? Right. And so here, let me lay out why that's a difficult, yet crucial question. And yet, why it's difficult? I'm, I'm not going to claim there's a there's a right because here's a answer. couple. They've been together ten years. They've been having problems. It sounds like for their entire relationship, um, you know. So they're sticking together, mm -hmm. and it's they're trying to make it go. So that would say to me they do have faith. Yeah. But beyond the faith part, how will they know that it's working? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I say, my the first thing I want to note is. <coughs> That is not a simple question, right? I don't, I don't, I don't have a glib answer for it mm -hmm. uh, because, and I, let me list a bunch of things that probably won't help you make that determination. And, and can, I want to broaden the question a little because this is also related to how do you find a therapist in the first place? Yeah, that, that's a good question too. I yeah. was thinking about that. Yeah, because, you know, they, they've been searching around for therapists and, mm -hmm. you know, wouldn't it be nice if you could say, well... Really, the best modality for therapy is fill in your favorite, you know, training there, your favorite, your favorite, uh, you know, buzzwords mm -hmm. or TLA, which stands for three letter acronym. You know, <laughs> that's my favorite acronym, TLA, three letter acronym, because it is a TLA, uh, you know, fill in your favorite, you know, buzzword there. And that's the one to go for. You know, look, look on the website that lists all the people who are certified in such right. and such. And they're the ones, you know, that just isn't the case. It just turns out that's not the case. The a research on what makes therapy effective 
First of all, research on what makes couples therapy effective is almost, in my humble opinion, almost impossible to be meaningful because of what I said earlier. There's no one way of determining if the couples therapy is effective or not. Right, and it sounds to me like they don't want to have a therapist who follows some ideological dogma. That is absolutely the case. So the interesting thing is there's, you know, there's a zillion ways, a zillion different modalities. I mean, dozens, literally dozens of different modalities that the American Psychological Association recognizes for doing therapy. And there's no research that says one of them is better. You know, and a lot of people out there may be thinking, no, no, wait a minute. Isn't cognitive behavioral therapy the, you know, the gold standard? Mm-hmm. No, folks. Cognitive behavioral therapy was designed to be researchable. And so the questions that get asked to evaluate it are fit perfectly into the modality of cognitive behavioral therapy. And so, and, and again, I'm not being cynical about that. Mm-hmm. And so there, it is relatively straightforward to show that CBT, as they call it, cognitive behavioral therapy, is effective for this, that, and the other thing, right? And because it's designed to be researchable. But there's lots of other modalities that seem to help people too. And when you just ask people a more general question, did it help? First of all, the majority of people say yes. That's not everybody, but a majority of people say yes. And the only factor they've come up with that seems to be pretty consistent is did the therapist, I mean, it's, it's, they call it, um, uh, what is, I'm, I'm spacing out on the, uh, the word, but what kind of connection did you have with your therapist? Mm-hmm. Engagement, I think, engagement with your therapist. And that's exactly what that is, is not so clear. You know, as an old statistician, I'm thinking it's kind of circular because how do I know if I'm engaged with my therapist? Well, it seems like it's helping, you know, I like it. You know, I like the therapist. I like, it's the feeling that your therapist really cares about you as opposed to the feeling like you're just being, you know, shoved into the, Mm -hmm. into the algorithm. So that doesn't tell you, should you be doing psychodynamics? Should you be doing CBT? Should you be doing, you know, solution focus? Should be doing, and I could go on and on listing dozens of different modalities. So that doesn't help you. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what website to go to doesn't help sure. you. Um, doesn't help you which profession. A lot of times people will, and look, I, I have, I think, unfairly benefited from this because I have a PhD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think my qualification and or uh, expertise and or competence is any different for the fact that I have a PhD and many of my very competent colleagues have master's degrees. I don't think that predicts anything, mm-hmm. frankly. Uh, and so folks who you know kind of go for that as a guideline, as I say, I, I think I unfairly benefit from it but because I have a PhD. But that doesn't predict anything. So what are you supposed to do? There's no, you know, what I'm claiming is, well, the one thing that you really look for is this sense of faith. And there's no certification for that. You know, there's no way to know. So the short answer is, how do you find a therapist? You know, you shop around or you get recommendations or whatever. If there's people who've gone to the person and said, wow, they really helped. Well, that's a good start. You Mm -hmm. know, try that. But then you just have to try it. And you have to be on the lookout yourself for some sign that it feels like it's helping. And I think early on, the best way to feel that it's it, it isn't even do I feel better after the session, frankly, because early on, sometimes you don't feel better after the session. It's you've kind of turned over a rock and it's not pretty. Yeah. You know, it's like, ooh, no wonder we're having problems. Yeah. This is really painful. Yeah. It could feel worse. after. It the could session. feel it, it could feel scarier after yeah. the session. You know, that's a better word. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, but it's interesting because that is a kind of worse. But yeah. What I look for is, yeah, but did it feel alive? You know, do you feel mm-hmm. like, yeah, oh, I wish we weren't getting to this stuff, but it's the right stuff, you mm-hmm. know? 
it's that kind of thing. Does it feel alive? Do you feel like the, and, and indeed, do you feel like the therapist is really listening to you as opposed to fitting you into a box? Right. But, you know, we all have our favorite ways of thinking. We, uh, to be a therapist, you have to be guided by some kinds of theory or you're just, you know, just winging it tends not to work very well. Mm-hmm. So we're all going to have our favorite sticks. Right. And we're all going to be thinking in those terms, at least initially. And, you know, you kind of have to deal with that. So, you know, I feel like I'm giving <laughs> a very therapist-like answer. <laughs> you know, I almost, it's almost like, I'm, you know, you ask the question, how will we know if it's working? And the therapist might say, well, how do you know if it's working? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, great. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks a ton. You know, but it, it isn't simple. It isn't simple. And yet it's crucial. Yeah. And look, in that respect... I can't resist pointing out, you know, to say, yeah, that question is really crucial and yet it's not simple. Yeah, that's the same question as how do I live my life? Um, that's the same question is, is this is this marriage or is this couple working out? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not a usually a simple yes, no question. Occasionally it is. You know, my, my um, go, go see my therapy or my um, video, or we did a uh, podcast on this a long time ago about how do I know when to call it quits, you mm-hmm. know? Sometimes it's simple. It's painful, but it's simple. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, you want to have kids, and I totally don't, and we love each other, but that ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going it, to, unless one of us changes our mind, that's not going to work. You know, sometimes they're simple deal breakers. Usually not. Usually it's like, well, this is painful, but I love you. What are we going to do here, you know? Mm-hmm. That is kind of the same issue. It's like, well, you're going to have to find ways of making that decision, but it it is multifactorial, as the old back in my old statistical days might say. It's not a single dimension. You know, there's a lot of ways of, of viewing it. So, you know, I always feel when I'm <laughs> when I say that to folks, on some level, I'm feeling like, yeah, I'm kind of evading your question, aren't I? But I'm I'm not evading the question. I'm saying, unfortunately, there isn't a simple answer to a question. Uh huh. And to yeah. And part of the problem with ideologically based therapies or ideologically based anything, ideologically based politics, it offers simple answers to things that aren't simple. And that can do an awful lot of damage. And so you kind of have to proceed with courage. Well, with faith, right? You have to proceed with faith. Exactly. And that will let you have the courage you need to make what may be hard decisions. Anyway, I hope that helps. I, Shelley. Hope, I hope that helps. And... Um to our other listeners out there. If you have questions, such as the one Shelby just wrote in, you can write to me and Bruce. You can write Bruce at ctn7.com or Judy at ctn7.com, and we'd love to hear from you. And you can just visit the website, ctn7.com, and when you go there, in addition to access to all of our uh, previous episodes, you'll also have uh, the the merch that we mentioned before. Let's Mm -hmm. not forget about our merch. And you will also have the ability to sign up to be interviewed yourself on this podcast. Those of you who are longtime listeners know we've interviewed all kinds of fascinating guests. We have a few in the pipeline that are coming because bunches of people have been contacting us wanting to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And in general, the pretty substantial majority of the folks who have written to us have been, you know, we've looked at it and said, yeah, yeah, I'll bet this person would be mm-hmm. really cool. And by golly, they turn out that. They are. Yeah, we've had some wonderful conversations and interesting guests on the show, and perhaps one of them is you. And so you actually can sign up for a time uh, because it's there's a link on there to our calendar. We usually record on Fridays, but we can accommodate other times sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. 
and um, let us know. And, or, and of course, suggest other folks too, if you think uh, that you'd like to hear us have a conversation with those folks on our program. Um, and let's put in uh, another word for the book. The book, Reigniting the Spark, Why Stable Relationships Lose Intimacy and How to Get It Back. That is the book that I wrote a couple years ago, and uh, it is available anywhere books are sold. You can go to any bookstore and they'll order it for you if they don't already have it. Uh, you can get it from the Amazon site or Barnes & Noble site, you know, anywhere online. Uh, if you like to uh, have it on a Kindle, you know, as an ebook, you can get that from the Amazon site. And one of the more popular modalities of it is the audiobook, which I recorded myself. I'm the narrator. Uh, and that's proven to be quite popular. And that is also available at the Amazon site. It's through Audible, which I believe Amazon swallowed up some time ago. So <laughs> that's where you go for that one as well. Uh, I do want to mention, uh, just putting a little plug for the next book that I'm writing, just stay tuned to this site. If you, yeah, that's another thing, by the way, if you want to be on our mailing list, on our email list, drop us a line because uh, we'll let you know about um, and I, and we don't spam, you know, we, we send out very few of these things in a given year, uh, but I will let folks know when the next book is available and we'll announce that and you'll be one of the first to find out. Mm -hmm. And so until next time, remember, be kind, don't panic, and have faith. Mm -hmm.